Orcas and salmon are friends that need help. Our ocean pals are facing some trouble. Less trouble, more bubbles. There's so much we can do. Do you know what I'm thinking? Let's start preaching extinction. Hello, and welcome back to the Breaching Extinction podcast. For those of you that are new here, the Breaching Extinction podcast explores the plight of the endangered southern resident killer whales through interviews with the people trying to save them. There are currently less than 80 southern resident killer whales left, and they are currently threatened by lack of prey, vessel noise, and water toxins. All these factors impact one another and play a significant role in their population decline. They have historically spent much of their time in the Salish Sea. However, they've been seen less and less likely forced out of their home by lack of prey as well as busy and toxic waters. I'm your host, Erica Wirth, and I decided to start this podcast in 2019 after spending a summer working in the Salish Sea and learning about these animals. Each week, I dive into a new conversation with guests from varying perspectives. I approach these topics through an interdisciplinary lens in hopes of uncovering the intricacies of this complex issue. Through this, I hope to share insight as well as fit the puzzle pieces together needed to save this species. I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. If you have any questions or are interested in being featured on the podcast or sponsoring us, please reach out over Instagram at Breaching Extinction or send an email to info at breachingextinction.com. Thanks. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Breaching Extinction podcast. I hope you guys all had a wonderful week. This week, I have Hannah Van Overbeek and Tay Shoemaker from Project Polywog here with me. How are you guys doing today? Hey, doing we're good. doing good. <laughs> happy to be here. Yes, definitely happy to have you guys here. I'm so excited to learn more about what you're doing. I came across um, Project Polywog over social media, and I thought it was such a cool idea. Um, can you guys introduce me? Who are you guys? Where are you from? What do you do? What are your hobbies? You want to go first? Sure. Okay. okay. Yeah. Go <laughs> um, so my name is Tay Shoemaker. Um, I run a frog rescue since um, about 2018. Um, and, uh, it's, it's kind of the stereotypical rescue, um, even though it's frogs. So like a dog rescue, same thing, but just frogs. (laughs) Um, so I take in injured or sick or neglected frogs, um, and we rehabilitate them. And then, um, we adopt them out to people who are looking to bring a frog into their life and find, uh, great forever homes for them. Um, and yeah, so that, that's, that's me. You guys might know me from Tay's Exotic Critters Rescue or Mother of Frogs on TikTok. Um, and yeah, that, that's me. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, and where, I guess you could also mention kind of, I guess, where you're from too, if you want to. I mean, I yeah, where are you from? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Do you want the long answer? Do you want the quick <laughs> Let's go with the long answer. We've got time. All right. So I am actually Canadian. Um, I moved to the U.S. in 2015, um, and I have lived in Texas since then. Um, grew up on an island in the U.S., and then I moved to Austin um, because my partner goes to college here. Uh, go Longhorns. Uh, yeah. So that's 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 my story. Nice. What island did you live on? 
Um, so it's called Porter Rances. It's off of Corpus Christi, Texas. So it's right on the Gulf Coast. Um, it's actually a barrier island. So um, a lot of hurricanes and fun stuff. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I visited Port A before and I actually went to Stephen F. Austin High School. So very familiar oh. with Texas. Yes. Oh, no way. Perfect. Oh, are you from Texas then? Um, kind of. So I mostly grew up in Ohio, but I lived with my aunt and uncle in high school. Um, and so I grew up visiting them and then I went to high school there. Wow. That's so yeah, cool. For sure. Um, okay. So my name is Hannah Van Overbeek. <laughs> I own Project Polywog. Uh, I guess I'm the founder of that. Uh, that's what you would call it. I guess. Yeah. I'm yes. the founder of Project Polywog. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, geez, I, so I grew up in California um, and then I actually just moved to Austin three months ago. So this has been, it, it was a huge change. Cause yeah. I mean, I've, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I barely traveled that much out of California. I moved a lot in California, but never, I'd never been to Texas before. So it was kind of crazy how I ended up here. Sure. Um, but yes, yeah, so but Tay lives here. And so it was just it was perfect. We've been friends over Instagram for a really long time. And then uh, I was like, oh, I'm moving to Austin. So then we just connected just and then, yeah, and it worked <laughs> out great. And so then now Tay's helping me with Project Polywog and she, uh, she's, I, I don't, I don't know. I just feel weird saying like works for Project Polywog, but I you do, do, but like, I get the paychecks. Yeah. I get the paychecks. <laughs> yeah. But she helps me with basically everything and I couldn't do it without her. So oh, it's, wow amazing that um, so awesome <laughs> yeah yeah so I guess um geez what do I like to do with fun? uh I really like frogs of course um yeah I've never owned a frog before but I just I just have really good childhood memories with frogs and I just I guess for me it's more of like I guess the impact of helping save frogs it's just kind of doing something good for the world um my history I guess most of my my professional life has been in business. And so I've started a couple of companies um, and they've never really aligned with kind of what I believe in. Mm -hmm. And so when I started Project Polywog, it was kind of like, this was something that I actually believed in, which was actually helping the world and not just, I mean, my other companies were helping the world too, I guess, and making customers happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, people like my stuff and that's cool. But at the same time, it's like, it just wasn't fulfilling to me. Yes. You know what I mean? It wasn't having a, an impact on like our environment mm -hmm. and on the animals. And, and I, as I like to say, the animals we share a world with, they deserve protection just as much as we do. So that was kind of the reason why I segued in and started looking into, okay, what kind of, what can I help save? What do I really like? Oh, I love frogs. <laughs> this, I should start a company around it. And uh, I went to school for graphic design, which again, is kind of different than business what I ended up in, but uh, it, yeah, I mean, I guess it's, it's similar, but uh, I, so I, I just really love designing. I love art. I love all sorts of things like that. Um, I'm a huge art nerd. Um, and so with Project Polywog, I'm able to kind of exercise that by designing all these different jewelries based around the main, I guess, muse. Yeah, Hannah designs frogs. everything. So every little <laughs> yeah. graphic you see, it's all Hannah, all the jewelry. She's designed it all. So it really comes from the heart. Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, like the way I describe Project Polywog is it's literally me like in a, in a box. So, yeah. That's amazing. Okay, you guys look really young. I have to ask, like, how old are you? <laughs> um, oh. 
<laughs> you well, I'm 21, so I'm a 2000s baby, but Hannah. Yeah, I'm 20. Um, I am turning 20 this year, so just <laughs> putting that out there. Um, God. It's like the way you guys are talking, I'm like, okay, so they like have to be in their 30s to like have done all these amazing <laughs> things, but I'm like, but they look so young. <laughs> We just started really young, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I actually, so I was homeschooled up until high school. And so I had a lot of freedom to kind of do what I like to do, I guess, and kind of just finish school at my own pace. And so I would finish really, really early. And then the rest of the day, I would just spend doing whatever I wanted to do, reading or all of these things. And then when I went to public school in high school, uh, I loved it absolutely loved it um because all the people <laughs> but but then I I ended up only staying in school for two years and then I ended up leaving again because I didn't have time to focus on what I like to do and I love school I love learning but at the same time it was kind of just like it just wasn't everything for me I guess and sure. so I I wanted to get more experience I mean I don't know I still feel like I don't know anything I'm I'm the same way like I moved out at 17 Mm -hmm. um I started business college actually um and then I just found out it wasn't for me so I was like you know what I'm just gonna start my own business and do it the way that I want and yeah yeah, so now now we're here (laughs) and now we're partnered amazing yeah that's really awesome I've definitely yeah I've heard of people I have a friend that's like that where she just like high school was like not her vibe like she just was like I'm not benefiting from this at all and like she basically went off and did a bunch of like study abroad programs instead mm-hmm. and like that's so cool you know, yeah there's and I have another friend who just like sailed the world with her dad like because she's like oh, this is just I mean it's honestly probably a lot more beneficial and like you know m- mentally like I don't know stimulating experience of being in school is yeah. so yeah oh yeah I think everything has its benefits for sure like I guess like there's some people who just do really really well in school and they follow that that kind of line of like okay going to school then going to college getting that degree going right into their career and they need those things um but for me I guess it's just like I'm not in engineering I'm not in I'm not going to be a doctor like (laughs) so it just didn't make it just didn't make sense for me but not respect to people who can do that (laughs) Yeah. yeah no for sure no I totally get you on that like it's like not for everybody like not it doesn't make sense for every career and every like school is so expensive like I have so much student debt I'm just like, <laughs> like but you know yeah it is what it is well that's really cool so now you guys are in Austin together okay so I have to ask is the frog rescue is it like for people that have had pet frogs or is it like you find frogs like what's the deal with that so either or, um, typically when we get wild caught frogs, it's people who have accidentally injured them or found them um, in the winter when it's too cold and they're supposed to be hibernating, but you know, they've accidentally uprooted them or they're just in a place where they're not supposed to be. Um, we get a lot of that, um, but it's not really, I don't really go out and find them. I, I, I had a few at first, when I first started, there were a couple injured frogs And that's kind of what inspired me. I was like, oh, well, I love doing this. So maybe I can help other people with their frogs or, you know, when they find injured frogs. Um, But a lot of it is pets that have either been neglected or a a lot of the time it's parents buy them for their kids. And then they realize, oh, I have to I have to take care of this thing because my child, it's, you know, it's a kid. They can't. (laughs) a big responsibility 
Um, yeah. and there's a lot more to frogs than people think. So, uh, yeah, a lot of the time it's just people being like, I don't know what to do. I got this for my kid. I thought it was like a goldfish who was going to pass away after a month, even but- though that's not, not how it's supposed to be, but yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. That's really cool. So just to give our listeners a little context, if they don't know what Project Polywog is, essentially this is a little business that you've started where you make jewelry for polywogs. Um, but I don't even know what a polywog really is. Like I Googled it. Obviously it's a frog. So can you guys <laughs> tell us like what are polywogs? What is going on with the polywogs? Because they're not doing well. Obviously you started your business so that you can help them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay. So polywogs, it's kind of like a, I guess it's like a general term. Uh, it just means baby frog. So you know how there's different stages of growth for frogs where they start an egg and then they become a tadpole and then they become a, yeah, tadpole slash polywog. <laughs> so polywogs basically means the same as tadpole. It's just a stage of growth with the frogs. Uh, I just thought project polywog flowed really well. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. oh, that's really cool. <laughs> but yeah, so actually what we're doing right now is uh, I guess it is the polywogs that need help because every frog is a polywog yeah, at some point. Yeah, they all go through it. <laughs> yeah, but there are two specific frogs that we're mostly just trying to help right now. Um, and we're actually partnered with the Amphibian Foundation, which I'm not too sure if you're familiar with them. Um, but they're located in Georgia and they're actually a whole entire research facility and rehabilitation slash repopulation slash research center, um, all geared towards saving endangered amphibians in Georgia. So they help save a lot of salamanders and they also help save, which is the one that we're focusing on, the Georgia gopher frog. Uh, and so what they do is they actually raise and breed the gopher frogs and they release them into mesocosms mm-hmm. and just kind of slowly introduce them back into the population and create habitats that are sustainable for them. And so it's just, it's amazing what they're doing over there. And so we help support them financially. And in the future, we're also going to help support them uh, with volunteer power and um, ideally to expand more to different areas of the United States to help kind of save more species of frogs. Yeah, to help save all the endangered frogs. Um, But right now, the main goal is just to help get them off the endangered species list because right now they're number three of most endangered amphibian in Georgia, which is crazy. Um, and so, yeah, they recently just, uh, they, they just hatched, it's either 600 or 700 gopher frogs. Um, and so we were super excited to be a part of, a part of that program which is amazing. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of, that's kind of, uh, how we're helping save the frogs because a portion of all the orders go towards helping save them. But yeah. (laughs) We also, um, work Mm -hmm. with the California yellow-legged frog. Yeah. So we have only pretty much both coasts, both sides of the U S we have, we're supporting some, um, stuff, but we're definitely, the idea is to branch out. Yeah, we want to, but I just figure if we take on all of the frogs it's really really hard to actually help them because it costs so much money to actually breed these frogs and to actually put them in and and the other thing too that we've learned is that a lot of the endangered species list is very political and so even if the frogs right you know yeah, yeah even if they are saved even if they are fine now they won't remove them or they won't allow you to do anything with them or it's just a lot of red tape. And so that's kind of another, I guess, path that we're looking to kind of move forwards is we want to kind of be part of 
social reform in the aspect of actually helping these frogs and eventually all of the frogs and amphibians. So that's kind of where we're moving towards. But yeah, we started with two because we can handle two (laughs) barely, but um, we figure if we locate resources specifically, then there's a better chance of actually- For sure. No, I think that that's really smart. And like, you know, obviously there's a lot of businesses that just kind of greenwash where they're like, we're helping, but it sounds like you guys are like, actually like, okay, like what steps can I reasonably take to actually have an impact? You know, that's, Uh, that's huge for us is actually making an impact because otherwise what's the point? Yeah. It just doesn't mean anything. So yeah. No, I totally feel you. Um, yeah, unfortunately, like there's a lot of businesses out there like that, but there are, you know, we're starting to see more businesses that are doing good. And like, I think too, there's kind of like a, this idea that like businesses are just like, I don't know, inherently greedy or they, they can't necessarily help. And, but like the reality of it too, is that we do live in a capitalistic society and like, you do need to pay your rent, you know, um, (laughs) it's a balance. (laughs) Yeah. It's a balance. So it's like, this seems like a really good balance. So how many of each type of frog are there currently and what is endangering both of them? Yeah. So, okay. So right now we have the, I'll talk mostly about the Georgia gopher frog and the California yellow-legged frog, just because those are the ones that I know most about right now. Um, But basically the Georgia gopher frog is mainly suffering from loss of habitat and fire suppression, which I'm sure you're really familiar with. Um, It's, it's really sad. Um, The gopher frogs need open canopy ponds with wire grass and these habitats are disappearing and they are also stopped from naturally occurring when mm-hmm. fires are suppressed um, because of that whole cycle with them and the chemicals that they use. And yeah. Just, I mean, it just disrupts the ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, if, if you, anyone isn't aware of fire suppression mm-hmm. or why wildfires are actually a good thing, um, not for us people, obviously, but <laughs> for the ecosystems is when those natural fires happen, they're burning everything and basically new life gets to come up and it actually helps a lot with the animals of course it doesn't help a lot with us but um fires are important for ecosystems um and so the fire suppression does not allow for that complete restart for ecosystems Mm -hmm. and so um there's a lot of you know dying plants or they're just not growing as great as they could Um, And so that removes a lot of nutrients and good things that all of the ecosystems um, need. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah, that's great. (laughs) One of the things that we were, I actually, I was just thinking about now is um, what could also help with kind of, I guess, combating the need for fire suppressants is, again, updating building codes, updating Mm -hmm. city regulations on what materials are allowed to be used when they're building yeah. houses and things because otherwise if the houses don't burn down if the houses are resistant to that kind of stuff then there's not a huge need to stop these natural fires that go through yeah um and or then, at least building at least, in places that yeah. you, we know are not yeah that too i mean this is <laughs> yeah just an idea yeah um, yeah. But, yeah then the yellow legged frogs they're mostly 
uh, they're mostly going extinct because of predators that are introduced. So for example, the trout that gets introduced, spread of diseases that are caused by, well, are supposedly caused by exposure to pesticide. Mm-hmm. They're still doing studies on that. So don't quote me on that one, but spread of diseases. It's, it's definitely there. Yeah, there's 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 something there for sure, but I don't want to spread, spread misinformation, um, but spread of diseases. Right, um, yeah. And then another thing too is just habitat alterations, um, drought, fire, livestock grazing, all of those things. So those are kind of the two main things that are affecting mm-hmm. those frogs. Yeah, and I mean, on, on terms of diseases, um, the biggest one that we're seeing all over the world, um, mm-hmm. but a, a lot in the US right now is the chytrid vi- uh, fungus, chytrid, citrid, whatever you want to call it, I call it chytrid. Um, but it's a very deadly fungus that takes out hundreds of frogs within a couple days um and it's very hard to get rid of especially now with um stuff like global warming where um the temperatures are rising and it makes it a lot easier for the fungus to grow and spread um so that has taken out thousands of frogs hundreds of thousands of frogs and i believe over 200 species since the 1990s so um it's it's pretty bad. And that's, that's another thing that, um, kind of on top of the environmental stuff going on, um, that, that's like one of the biggest, um, diseases. Wow. Okay. So they've got got a lot of things that are, that are against them. How many in each population is left? So, okay. So there is a statistic going around where one third of the world's amphibians are going extinct Mm -hmm. but I again I don't want to say that you should quote me on that one yeah for sure (laughs) because I'm not too sure exactly no the statistics do you do you know exactly what the statistics for that yeah so like I said as of I believe it's 200 so 200 species have gone um extinct since 1990s for chytrid but then an additional 200 have gone extinct since the 1970s just because of viruses, funguses, um, environmental impact, deforestation, pollution, all yeah. of that. Um, specifically for the Georgia gopher frog, I believe they're doing a bit better now with um, the Amphibian Foundation's help. I'm yeah. not too sure about the California yellow-legged frog, um, but I they're do modern. know the gopher frog is getting a lot of help, and I believe there's... I looked I looked on the um, Amphibian Foundation website, and I believe they said that there was over 300 about now out in the wild so mm-hmm. um and then they also have you know a bunch of tadpoles and stuff and yeah, froglets in their own research facility so um hopefully those numbers will continue to rise yeah, yeah. And that's I guess that's a huge part of I guess the plan to kind of help them too is mm-hmm. what they have to do which I was really shocked about it um but they they actually can't keep the frogs together once they mm-hmm. get to a certain age because they'll start eating each other mm-hmm. which makes sense and so what they have to do is they have to individually separate each one into their own container so that's like 600 or 700 different containers that are all like needing to be kept and so that takes a huge amount of resources facilities like it's yeah time volunteer hours like just a ton of stuff and so if we're able to take that system and basically replicate it and expand it then they're able to breed a lot more frogs Mm -hmm. and release a lot more frogs and get it kind of quicker they're yeah. able to repopulate rolling and, and yeah sustainable yeah exactly yeah. Yep. okay wow that's really cool so what's like the general time frame for like how long it's going to take these frogs to get from 
polywog stage to like big enough to be released mark was saying about a year yeah so it's about a year um frogs typically depending on the species they typically reach sexual maturity at about seven to nine months um and then they just continue growing at that period they're eating a lot because you know they want to be nice and healthy so that they can um find another healthy mate and um have healthy babies um and so yeah tadpole tadpole takes a couple months um and then froglet takes about three to four months so they go tadpole slash polywog froglet which is basically they still have their tail but they have all of their arms and legs and they're starting to look like a frog mm-hmm. then there's juvenile which the tail is gone um and that typically takes about five to six months and then by the time that they're sexually mature at that seven month to nine month mark um they're pretty much ready to go out into the wild um and repopulate and have little babies and live their best life (laughs) okay amazing so what kind of funding is needed to make this happen because it sounds like it's probably a lot of manpower and a lot of like I don't know if you're putting them into Tupperware I'm sure that they're like they don't need to be in like a Tupperware they probably need like a nice little like you know tank to be in or something like that so what is like do you guys happen to know what like the average cost is like I don't know say for a year of breeding and re you know sending them out in the yeah. water oh that's a really good question so I actually asked uh Mark Mark is Mark Men- Mendisa it's like M-A-N-D-I-C-A I don't want to butcher his sorry name. Mark but yeah <laughs> but Mark is Mark is the executive director for the amphibian foundation and he probably knows a lot I mean he does not even probably he knows yeah he's the executive director of that whole program and so he knows a lot about everything that they're doing and he directs everything that they're doing and so I asked him that question a couple of weeks ago because we were trying to figure out how much it costs to save one frog and that way we're able to kind of figure out okay well this is how much money we need to raise and then donate and etc from there and what I got we we don't have an exact number yet um, but what we are kind of looking into is he mentioned that the they use cow tubs, like cow drinking tubs or oh, uh, like troughs. Yeah, yeah, like cow troughs mm-hmm. that are like those big circle plastic bin ones that can sit and like sit out in the sun mm-hmm. and they won't deteriorate or anything like that. And they use those to actually create the little mini uh, mesocosms. And mm-hmm. those are the ones that they use to breed the frogs in. Um, and so that's kind of I mean, those ones alone run up for a couple thousand dollars. <laughs> so it's kind of, I don't want to, I don't want to put a number on it just because I don't have one, but we are it's, definitely working it's on it. It's a lot. I would yeah. say probably almost in the hundreds of thousands to, to operate it full-time every single year. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a, it's expensive to do all that, especially, mm-hmm. you know, you have to pay your researchers. Yeah. And, you know. Yeah, keep exactly. your facilities up pay your rent and so it's yeah. a lot a lot and goes into I it I know that a lot of them too like Mark was mentioning too he's not even really on payroll mm-hmm. um because a lot of it is all volunteers yeah. which is like amazing but at the same time it, it like makes me so it just I don't want to say it like breaks my heart but it's like they work so hard mm-hmm. and they're doing so much for these animals and yet nobody knows about them really and it just I mean, they have a, they have a good following, but at the same oh, yeah. time, it's like, there's 8 billion people in the world. Yes. Like well, everybody yeah. show up, like, let's go. <laughs> I, 
I totally feel you on that. Like, I feel like in the broad scheme of things, when you think about like, you know, even if somebody has like a hundred thousand followers on like any platform, like that's really, that isn't even 1% of the world. Like, you know, and you don't need the entire world to show up for every social cause. Cause that's like not a realistic goal either, but at the same time, you're like, come on. But no, I feel you. I, I feel like it's always like the people that are doing you know, truly getting down and dirty and doing the work that just like, they just don't, they go unrecognized. And then there's like all these other people that like get recognized for like literally doing nothing or just like shaking their butt. And you're just like, all right, cool. <laughs> like, yeah, no, so. ex- exactly. Yeah. So that's definitely, I mean, Polywog just turned a year yesterday, actually. Um, so <laughs> yesterday was our one year anniversary oh. for starting the company. Um, so it's been amazing what we've been able to help them with, but at the same time we have, such huge plans for the future, huge, huge plans. Uh, right now we have three people on our team, uh, but by the end of the year, we're hoping to have a lot more, a lot more, <laughs> yeah. So we're working on kind of creating pitch decks and just kind of now we have, I guess the background, we have the results to show, okay, we have a proven model here. We have a really powerful mission and now we're ready to kind of expand. And so, We've just been putting together a lot of pitch decks and a lot yeah. of things and figuring out how to even show up to VCs or any of those things because I don't know anything about that. Um, thankfully, <laughs> our CFO does. So <laughs> we're going to be moving in that direction to where hopefully by next year, we'll be able to have a really, really big impact and help these frogs in a really big way. For so, sure. What are VCs? Yeah, venture capitalists. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So they're basically the people who take shares of your company and Give pump you money. with funding. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Amazing. Lovely. Damn, y'all just like really sound like you've just got it together. That's amazing. Um, And I do love to see that you guys are like, again, like making sure that you have a model that works. Because I feel like so often in conservation, like we see people where their heart is in the right place, but like they end up doing something that is either unhelpful or like ends up not being as helpful as they want it to be like, or, you know, even harming the animals because they think that they're doing the right thing and they're not. So I love to see that you guys are putting the research in because there's so many stories of conservation where people think they're like, oh, I'm helping the species. And then they're not, you know? Yeah, no, exactly. We, I definitely did a lot of research when we were looking for foundations to partner with. So when we reached out to the Amphibian Foundation, we actually weren't even partnered with them until like recent. mid last year. Yeah. yeah, like actually very recently. Very recent. Yeah, we were just we were just funding and donating and doing all of those things. But it was just really important to me and to you personally, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, originally just to me personally, <laughs> then you came on board. So now it's important. But, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, but originally it was just really important that again, like. I I want to make a difference. I mean, right. I I have grown a couple of companies and they they were really good, but it just again it wasn't it wasn't making that difference. And so mm-hmm. now I'm very much not focused on like the financial aspects of things anymore. Yeah. Like before I used to be very very focused on the financial aspects of like okay, I need to scale this as much as possible as fast as possible. But now it's like I've kind of been humbled a little and I'm like okay you don't want to go down that soulless trap of just capitalistical I mean you see it a lot in business programs where it's just everyone treats it like a game like what we were talking about yesterday everyone treats it like a game they lose their souls they lose just their 
humanity. honor. Yeah, their integrity and their humanity. And not to make it sound terrible, but it's just, it's a rough world in the business world. Yeah. And it's sad. And so now I've just been totally reset and I've just been realigned. And I'm like, I really, I just want to make a difference and yeah. I want to make sure that it's the right difference and not something yes. terrible. So the Amphibian Foundation is amazing. And so we're so lucky to be partnered with them. Yes. That is such an important thing to bring up because like, obviously we all, you know, we want to do what we love. We want to make sure that we're paying our bills, but like, there's this, I feel like sometimes when you're just in the cycle of just your day-to-day life, you're not thinking about losing your soul to something. And it's so easy to do in this world. And I feel you of like not wanting to be like negative and not wanting to be like, Oh my God, this is the worst. But like, it is a very real reality that you have to think about. Um, and I would love to hear more about how you got out of, you know, like you said, you reset because there are so many people that I talk to like in this field and that are not even necessarily in the business world, but they're like in conservation, they're in science. And it's something that like, I struggle with as well of feeling like, because the, of the way that the world is around us, like getting sucked into that and losing your soul. So how did you like rebound from that? Because obviously you are a very vibrant person. You are very like positive and very much ready to make a change. So what can we do to get some of this energy that you've got going? Cause it's pretty amazing. Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess, uh, so I guess one of my, one of my more successful companies that I was, I, I started, it was a waxing company. Um, and so we sold hair removal waxing kits and I mean, it, it was all biodegradable. So at least there was that, that was a good thing. Um, but it just, I was doing everything by myself and, and running that large of a company with minimal help was very stressful. And I kind of just lost sight of the people because eventually when I did get a little bit of help, I wasn't interacting with customers. I wasn't interacting with people anymore. I was just kind of in my own little box. Um, I wasn't painting anymore. I wasn't doing art anymore. I wasn't doing anything that I love to do that I was connected with. I was just solely focused on like, okay, what are the numbers right now? Going through my emails, like just really, it's like Wolf of Wall Street sort of like, that would be a great example of it is that was kind of like the reality, especially with with, when you're scaling, when you're in scaling mode and you just, you lose, I, I don't want to say for me, from my experience, anyways, I lost, I lost sight of the people and they didn't become people to me anymore. It became very much all about the money. Um, and like, I wanted to pay my rent and I wanted to do all of these things, of course, but at the end of the day, it doesn't like it, it you just, were, you weren't happy. Yeah. You don't, you, you just, I wasn't happy. I was really, really unhappy and I got really depressed. And I mean, I just kind of let everything go. And I experienced a really, really severe burnout for a couple of months where I just, I couldn't even get out of bed. Um, I didn't want to get out of bed. I, uh, I mean, there were a bunch of other factors as well that were a part of my life. Um, just a lot of, there were a lot of people in the world that took advantage of, I guess, no, I don't want to be a victim of anything, but like, there's a lot of really crappy people out there. Yeah. And, and they see that they see successfulness and they Mm -hmm. see business and and, money. Yeah. And then they just take advantage of it completely. And and when you're that young, you just don't know, you don't realize it. And I was 18 at the time. And so it was really like, I completely, I didn't know. And then when I realized it, it 
just made me really depressed because I felt like I couldn't trust anybody anymore. And so after that, that's how I kind of had a reset. I was forced into a reset almost <laughs> um, uh, because I moved out when I was 18 also. Uh, well, a year after you did, but I moved out when I was 18. And then for that whole year, for two years, I was just, um, yeah, for like a year, I was just working and I was just focused on business. Um, and then I ended up after I went through that little bit of depression, I ended up going back home and reconnecting with my family and just kind of spending time not thinking about myself and not thinking about what I wanted to achieve and spending more time like with my little sister and getting to know who these people are because my whole life I had been just so focused on what I wanted to do and what I wanted to change and what I wanted to be. And in my head, I was like, once I'm this, once I'm that, that's when I'll be able to spend time with my family. That's when I'll be able to make good relationships. You know, that's when I'll be able to focus on these things that make us human. Um, and so long story short, after about a year of being home with my family again, and just kind of just pausing business, pausing my life just to kind of heal and, and reconnect with that humanity, um, it kind of it changed my perspective on everything. And that was when I started Polywog actually um, near the end of that, because I was like, okay, I like the company I have now, but what can I do to make me feel fulfilled? And what can I do to help make a difference? And so it was a long process of like, just going through so much, just being a really crappy person. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be honest, it was terrible, <laughs> but, but I didn't, it, yeah. And so that's why with Polywog, I, I didn't hire out any of customer service. I didn't hire out any of anything. I was very much a part of every little tiny aspect just so that I would never lose that touch again, because yeah. it's so hard to come back from it. So yeah, <laughs> that's how, that's how it happened. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, just very impressed and inspired. Like by your vulnerability and your authenticity of just like being able to share that and like having that experience. I think that's a very real thing that a lot of people go through is this burnout and this like soul sucking situation. And like, that is incredibly remarkable that you at 20 years old were, well, even younger at that point, able to figure it out and work through it because there are people like in their fifties that don't figure this out. Like, you know, I definitely like, we, we, we know how the other generations are and like, not to generalize, but like, you know, uh, like, it seems like our parent generation is definitely more into like make money, like, you know, and you're just going to be happy with your paycheck and like, screw your passions, like screw what you care about, like just make money so you can buy a house. So you can do all these other things. When in reality, buying a house is like unrealistic for most people our age, like no matter what. So at this point we're just like, screw it, you know, but like, I definitely see people like even people that I'm related to having these realizations at like 55, 60. And then like, being like, oh my God, like, and it's amazing that you were able to figure it out so young and make those changes because then you can live your life more fully now. But I mean, I feel you, the world is, it's a hard place. And I like, I don't see you as being negative or having like a victim mentality or anything like that. Like realistically, some people just suck and people will take advantage. And both of you girls are very bright, sparkly people that have a lot to offer. And when people see that they want to take it, you know, that's just how some people are. And I'm glad that you guys have each other because it seems like <laughs> you can share the sparkle, right. You know, and you know, like nobody's threatened by each other's shine and, 
you guys build each other up, which is amazing. But I think that's a very real thing. I think a lot of people experience that, but we're so busy in this rat race that nobody stops to question yeah. it, you know? Cause we're just told we're supposed to just work and make money and that's supposed to make us fulfilled. But in reality, like it doesn't like, you know, the happiest people, like there are statistics that show it's like, it's, it's not necessarily the rich people, like, cause more money, more problems, honestly, but it's like the people that have enough and have those healthy relationships, like as being humans, like we need each other. We're social creatures as much as we try to be hyper independent, you know? Yeah. Nailed it. That's like, you said that so beautifully. I couldn't agree with you more. And I guess, um, I guess for anybody who is experiencing burnout, I guess one tiny little tidbit I could put in there too is because it's so hard to like go from that mentality, especially when um, you have been working for so long or when you have been going to school for so long and you're kind of just going through the motions of life. And in a way, sometimes it can feel like life isn't controlling, like you're not controlling life, life is controlling you. Mm-hmm. And I feel like one way that I was able to kind of, I don't want to say get control because you'll never have control <laughs> realistically. Um, but one of the ways I was able to kind of move towards, I guess, being more happy and more fulfilled feeling in what I'm doing is just focusing on what I love. And really, I mean, and if, if you don't know what you love, then trying things and it's what I found, what I thought, I thought it would be so easy. Like, cause, cause people, I guess the way that we're wired, we want that instant gratification. We want that one step fix, but in reality, it's a bunch of tiny little things that we do consistently that make up a happy life. And so like one of the things that I did, I remember I, uh, when I was, when I was trying to get out of that, that sad and that burnout, I, I was like, okay, well, maybe I just need to do stuff that I like doing. And so I, I tried to paint again and I just didn't enjoy it. And it honestly, I didn't enjoy it. And I was kind of like, why am I not enjoying this? Like this sucks. Um, and I was like, oh, I just should stop doing it. But then I kept doing it anyways, because, you know, if it starts somewhere and, and eventually I started to enjoy it again, but it didn't happen overnight. It happened over the course of like two or three months. And then yeah, one day yeah. I just was like, oh, I enjoy this. I want to do this again. And it, it was just, I just remember that was a really big realization for me because again, you don't have to love it right from the start. You just have to keep doing it. And then eventually yeah. the love grows. But. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That is such a good way to put it. You have to keep doing it and the love grows. That's amazing. Yeah. It's like, it's easy to get into a spot where the things that you once loved become a chore, especially when you have money attached to it. And like that, unfortunately is the world we live in. We can't work for free because rent is due. You know, we have to buy groceries, like just reality of the situation. Mm-hmm. But I feel you it's tough. So you said towards the end of this journey, this is when you started Project Polywog. So tell us what is Project Polywog? <laughs> yeah, so Project Polywog is a frog jewelry line. Uh, and so all of our jewelry is all frog based. And so we have one of my, well, two of my favorite ones are the California yellow-legged frog necklace and the Georgia gopher frog necklace. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I designed all the jewelry uh, and we just kind of I mean, yeah, they're all just, they're, we have a bunch of necklaces. Most of our line is necklaces right now. Uh, we're actually, I don't know if I should, I, I guess I could share it. Um, okay, so we're actually working on a birthstone collection right now. Uh, and so I'm really excited for it. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Uh, but the idea here right now is that um, all of our jewelry is stainless steel based, gold plated, 14 karat gold plated. Mm-hmm. And we're thinking that we're going to start a fine jewelry line as well. And so that way, um, basically, they'll be the same designs. It's just they will be solid gold. 
And so if people really love the jewelry and they want to kind of use it as an heirloom, pass it down in the family, then they'll be able to kind of get that fine jewelry. And also it'll help support the frogs a lot more than just our our main jewelry line. but our main jewelry is really good it's really yeah. pretty mm-hmm. it'll um, last a long time yeah it does it really mm-hmm. does like I've had like my little necklace I think since <laughs> last year sometime last year and it's still perfect mm-hmm. and I wear it like every single day so they don't tarnish easily mm-hmm. um and they're super pretty I don't think they're they're gaudy at all or oh yeah that's yeah. the huge for the me. problem with yeah. frog jewelry a lot of it is big and chunky mm-hmm. and chunky. tacky and yeah <laughs> and just tacky and you're uh-huh. like especially for someone like me who like it looks like it's designed for kids yeah basically. and yeah. like my family mm-hmm. the only gifts they give me is like frog stuff because they're like you like frogs here's everything <laughs> that has to do with frogs and a lot of it is frog jewelry and I'm like this is kind of ugly but I will wear it because I love you and so our jewelry is very pretty it's very dainty yeah it's very it's it's I I love it yeah I I, I I wear mine every day exactly yeah I so anything that I design is something that I would wear I I try not to design anything that I wouldn't wear definitely I'll change that in the future just because I know that not everyone's me (laughs) but for now it works clearly yeah. (laughs) yeah but for now I I love small dainty jewelry I just I'm not a big fan of huge bulky jewelry and so everything is like smaller than mm-hmm. half an inch like probably even smaller than even the half. bigger stuff isn't too isn't heavy huge. or anything like oh that. yeah no it's mm-hmm. super everything like if everything was turned into earrings they would drag fine. your ears down fine. yeah <laughs> it, that's that's the best way yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I definitely saw your stuff and I did notice that because like, I also like as a whale lover, people are like, here's everything that's a whale and like, (laughs) which I love, trust me, I love it. It's amazing. But some of the stuff just like looks stupid. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Um, no, like I appreciate it. I really do appreciate it, but it's like not everything you're gonna like want to wear, like, and (laughs) stuff definitely is cute. I did notice that. And it's not clunky. It's like, it's very like, it I don't know I like the like kind of gold colors to some of the stuff like it's not like I don't know it doesn't look like it came from Claire's basically (laughs) exactly yeah it looks actually like something that an adult or a kid could wear it's very versatile and it's just I I love kind of designing things also with stacking in mind just because I love kind of stacking with other dainty gold chains and like very thin jewelry um and so they're kind of the the length you can adjust it quite a lot and so you could have it like almost choker style or you can have it really down low and yeah. so it's it's pretty it's I, I love it's it. cute <laughs> yeah. Really cute. yeah I love it okay cool so when like what's your timeline for like birthstones and like fine jewelry because that's okay, very so, <laughs> yeah so I actually um so we have a jewelry manufacturer that we work with um and his name is Alan he's amazing he just I mean him and his team do everything by hand they paint everything by hand oh, that's it's awesome yeah it's gorgeous and I, I love working with them but we actually just put in um the order for those to be made uh so I'm really excited I have the prototypes um I love them uh, I won't share too much but they're gonna <laughs> no be yeah they're gonna be really pretty and that'll definitely be used to kind of launch I guess our 
fine jewelry line as well because that'll be the first piece in our fine jewelry line yeah. is those birthstone necklaces mm -hmm. and so we're definitely thinking of making it a whole experience with engraved yeah. boxes customized notes and just like there's a whole lot of stuff, fancy yeah. stuff yeah lots of fancy stuff but we're hoping to roll those out by probably summer would yes. probably be when we launch those so amazing July, early July yeah, I'm very much looking forward to it. And I definitely need to buy like some kind of necklace that you guys have because you. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, I was like wondering if you like handed the jewelry yourself or like how that works. But, like that makes sense. Like you have like somebody who helps you make the jewelry. That's pretty yeah, cool. I, I definitely, I guess I want to touch on that too, just because um, when you're doing things at scale, it's literally impossible oh, to yeah. make yourself. Yeah. And so I don't, I, I guess I, you design I feel everything. like, yeah, so I design there is everything. a handcrafted yeah. feel, mm -hmm. but, and the people you know. we work with do hand make everything. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just, we want to be able to get everybody a necklace within a decent amount of time, which are yeah. times fast. And so we like to kind of, we ship everything ourselves and we ship everything out of my apartment. Office. <laughs> um, yeah, office. <laughs> yeah, our office. It's my apartment. Um, but yeah, we um, we do everything in that aspect. But it just realistically it wouldn't make sense. For we us can't to be do sitting there yeah. individually painting eyes yeah. on every frog. Yeah, it would just take. <laughs> We'd never so get long. anything done. It'd probably take like at least two hours to make one necklace. Yeah. So <laughs> we love that idea, but we want to be big enough to where we can make a huge change. Yeah. So. yeah, absolutely. Yes. No, I totally feel you. Cause it definitely looks like it's like got that homemade feel that like, and it looks very crafty, but it's like, I wasn't sure if that was you or somebody else. That's awesome though. I mean, yeah, no, like you guys obviously have a very well thought out plan of like, how are we going to do this? And like, you know, offer a quality product to people, but also like, you know, make a change at the same time. So that's pretty exciting. Um, you guys are very inspiring, like, especially for being your age too. Like, it's incredible that you guys have done what you've done already and that you've already started like several businesses and that you have your own frog rescue. Like that's nuts. Um, so I'm just very proud of and inspired by the both of you. And I really appreciate you sharing your insight here and talking to us about what you guys are up to. And I really look forward to seeing what you guys do in the future. Um, do you have any final thoughts for our listeners? Oh, that's, you can go first. <laughs> yeah, you go first. Um, well, okay. I want to touch on like the fact that we are so young because I feel like when people see these stories, some of them aren't inspired and they're just like, they're inspired to think poorly about themselves because they're yes. not at the same um, place. Like mm -hmm. Ian and I got an early start. So don't feel bad. Like I, it took me probably three years into rescuing and rehabilitating to even sit down and be like, okay, I am an official rescue and now I'm going to, to do all this. So don't, don't feel bad if you're not in the same place that we are, because we still, we still struggle financially. Yeah. We like, we, we struggle to pay rent sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I do a lot of social media stuff, so I have to keep up with all of that. I experience burnout constantly. So you know, we're, we're real. Yeah. We're, we're <laughs> yeah. people just like you and, um, don't, don't be hard on yourself. Um, you can, you can do anything at any age and yeah. I mean, look at yeah. KFC. 
I started yeah. the kernel. <laughs> look at the kernel. <laughs> yeah, look at the kernel. Um, no, but yeah, actually, I love that. I was, I, I'm going to kind of bounce off what you said too, and saying that, um, yeah, I mean, if follow your passion, I know that that's said a lot, but there, Seriously. there's a way. I'm mean, especially in our day and age now. It's like you can really follow your passion and do something big with it. Um, but yeah, no, I mean. It's not easy. <laughs> yeah, it's literally not easy. And I mean, I, I don't want to make it sound like we're doing amazing. Um, we're just trying to yeah. keep true to our values. We're trying to, you know, help save these frogs. And sometimes, you know, we struggle a lot. Um, yeah. But that's part of the process. Mm-hmm. And it's all about just enjoying the process, I guess. Um, one of my favorite quotes by John Lennon actually is life is what happens while you're busy making plans. Um, and so that's kind of something that I just keep in my mind a lot is just kind of like, even when I'm really, really stressed out or when I'm really like, just not having a good day, mm-hmm. I just keep that in my mind. That like, okay, this is a good thing. Like now that I've gone through this, when the good days come, I can really enjoy them because mm-hmm. I know that life is a roller coaster, literally. And yeah, <laughs> there's good and bad days. And that's just how it works. Yeah. So focus on those things. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that that's like very insightful there. Yes. Especially young people. I feel like, you know, until you get older, you don't have the tools to like, not compare yourself to everyone all the time and not like, I feel like everybody is insecure, probably like a lot, but like, especially when you're young, like, you're just like, Oh my God, yeah. I need to be doing more. And so I think that that's really important. Like, and I love how authentic and vulnerable you guys are of being like, yeah, I struggle to pay my rent because so many people I think experience that like one in four Americans is food insecure, but like no one talks about it because it's like, it's embarrassing. We've been taught that like, you should be embarrassed that you can't afford things. And like, it's a very real reality for a lot of people, um, especially coming out of a pandemic, especially during inflation, like all these other things. So that's very real. Um, uh, well, the one question I always ask people is what can we learn from the whales? But I want to know what can we learn from the polywogs? <laughs> um, I think learning to adapt. Frogs, okay. they go through many life forms, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, they, you know, they start out at the, as this little, little polywog that can't get out of the water and all they have to do is swim and eat and then they grow up and they're this, this big, slightly big animal, bigger animal that, you know, has to hunt and deal with invisible kind of factors like pollution and um, all that fun stuff. So I think seeing how they adapt and how they affect our planet is super important. And I think Mm -hmm. everyone can look at the frog and really say like, if they can adapt and if they can still keep going, then I can do that. And yeah I think yeah. I think that's for me anyway yeah I mean yeah you're totally right too because frogs are an indicator species mm-hmm. you were telling me also um yes. so you can see the frog's health and you can see how our planet is doing which is really amazing, amazing. yeah that's why we need them yeah I definitely I'm gonna kind of hop off what you said also <laughs> I'm sorry I'm just gonna steal yourself I'm just gonna frame it differently oh um, no but yeah literally I I agree with you I totally agree I think that we can learn that time it takes time mm-hmm. and we don't need to be in a rush we don't need to be in a hurry um I mean frogs literally go from little blobby eggs to yeah. little full, bubbles. like yeah they're like they're like water butterflies mm-hmm. where they they go from one thing to a completely different thing and they have legs and and 
it's amazing what they do and they survive they look so. nothing like how they start exactly so. they look nothing like how they every stage of their life they look completely different and so and that's okay and that's totally it gets fine. them to the end exactly that's all that counts. yeah exactly exactly and so i guess just always changing always growing yeah that's definitely what i would think amazing i think that's very beautiful and i love that thank you so much again for being on the podcast and I will be sure to like tag all of the places on social media where people can find you guys go buy a frog necklace. I'm going to just plug that right here. Um, but thank you again for all the work that you guys are doing and just keep up the good work. You guys are truly amazing. So thanks for being here. Thank, thank you so much thanks for having yeah, us. Thank you so much for having us. This was such a pleasure. We were so honored to see your email. Very yes. honored. Yes. Um, so thank you for having us. Well, good. I'm honored to have you on here. Alrighty, guys. Will you enjoy the rest of your week? Bye. Bye.